Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. It's going to record. So a couple of things have been happening to our family lately. And I really try to talk about on each podcast episode, things that we're actually going through, things that we're learning as a family, things that I'm experiencing, things I'm hearing, aha moments, uh, things I put into practice and they work and I want to share them. And about two years ago is when my journey began of realizing the reason why I feel so bad is because I'm not walking with God. And in my devotional this morning, it talked about people that are upside down and they don't realize they're upside down. Everyone else looks like they're upside down and they're actually the ones that are upside down. And we have this feeling of something's off. Something doesn't feel right. I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I'm stressed out. Like we we know that there's something off inside, but we don't know what that is. We're like, something is off. Like I shouldn't be this miserable. I should, life shouldn't be this hard. You have this longing for something different, but it takes a really long time sometimes for people to realize, oh, it's because I'm not walking with God. And because I'm trying to do things a completely different way. And I hope that it doesn't take you as long as it took me to figure out. It might have taken you longer, but as long as you are awake and you see what's happening in your life, that begins your journey and things will get better from there. But when we start walking and doing stuff, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's getting better. Sometimes it's feeling like it's getting worse. And this is what kept happening to me is I would get out of the valley. I would feel good for a second, like, okay. Okay, good. I'm in a better mood. Things are going well. And then all of a sudden things would start going bad again. And I would feel the tension and I would feel the stress and the worry and the doubt and the fear, and it would build back up. And I felt like I was slipping back down into the valley. But after going through this so many times, and then seeing this happen to my family members in my household, you know, it's a lot easier to see other people go through something and to be able to see what's happening. Cause when it's happening to us, we're so close to ourselves and we're so heavy in the emotion. It's hard to see what's actually going on, you know, and, and we're blinded by a lot of things. Like the saying is love is blind. If you're in an abusive relationship, you tend to want to make excuses for that person and you tend to not see it as it is. But if you were watching your sister or your best friend be in an abusive relationship, you could see it from a million miles away. Like sister, wake up and get out of the situation. But when you're in it, it's different. And so these things started to happen in my family. And when I saw it in them, I realized this is something that's happened in me as well. And I really was able to put my finger on this of what actually happens when we start to walk with God and start to feel bad. And 
I recorded an episode. It was episode 72 called Tension Over Time. And if you are someone who right now you feel like you're walking in a lot of tension in your life and things are really hard and you don't feel good on the inside, and I'm not talking health, I'm not talking like, you know, you're not feeling nauseous or tired. Like you can be feeling gross on the inside too with your health, but I'm just talking like your heart on the inside. You just feel not good. You feel burnt out, overwhelmed, stressed out, worried, fearful, whatever it is that you need to do. You just feel bad on the inside and you're moving forward. What's actually happening is you're being refined and the refining process it's not a fun process. It does not feel good. And we probably know the refining process more so when you compare it to diamonds or silver or gold, when they're being forged in a fire, you've maybe seen shows, uh, even like the blowing glass shows. I love those where they show you like doing that. I just think that that's so cool to see how you can mold and shape something and the reason why you have to put it in a fire and you have to heat it up super, super, super hot and apply a ton of pressure to it is for a few reasons. One of them, it proves their quality. If you find a diamond that's actually black, a diamond doesn't look like a clear diamond. It's actually black. And when you put it in a fire to be forged, if it's not a real diamond, it will crack and it will break. And then you'll know, okay, this isn't the right quality. It also is molded and shaped into what we want it to be. If we're making it into a wedding ring and we want it to be this certain cut, they're hammering it and pounding it as it's heating up. There's a ton of pressure that's pushed on it. And what happens is all of the gunk and all of the black spots and all of the this poor quality stuff that's inside of it, what happens is that's all brought to the surface as it's heating up. And then as you pound it, it breaks off all the black gunk. So all that's left is this beautiful, clear diamond. And it's the exact same thing that's happening with us. And it's a great process. And it means that God is answering a lot of your prayers, but it doesn't feel like that. So my husband started a business a few months ago and probably like in the springtime and things were going great. He started this trucking company. Things were going amazing. He kept saying like, I can't even believe how easy this is. Like, it's just, everything is coming into place. I have the perfect guys working for me. Everything is just perfect. And I was like, oh, well, that's because I've been praying for you. I've been praying that you find the right connections, the right guys, the right team, the right customers, things just work in your favor. And we saw God a lot in his business where he was looking to purchase another semi-truck and the one he really, really, really wanted. It wasn't going through, wasn't going through, it was taking forever. And then it fell through and it was like devastating for him. Like we need this truck to make more money. This was the right truck. And I'm like, well, obviously it wasn't the right truck because if it was, you would have gotten it. Just trust and know that God's timing is perfect. A couple weeks later, he gets a phone call of this other truck that is way closer, way cheaper, way newer, better quality. And he's like, yes, I'm so glad 
that I waited because this is the perfect truck. So we saw God's timing and God's hand on this entire business. And then all of a sudden things got really hard and it was every single day there was an issue in his business. Every single day, it was just adversity, 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 adversity. And he would come home at like 10, 11 o'clock at night from being gone since seven in the morning and was just wiped out. And he's like, I don't know how long I can just keep going against the grain. Like, why is this so hard? Why am I struggling so bad? Why are things not working my way? I feel so much anxiety, so much worry, so much fear, so much doubt. Like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this where God wants us to be? Did I make the right choice? Am I making the right choices every day? Should I not do this anymore? You know, overthinking, overanalyzing. And I realized that as he was talking, I, I, was, I was hearing him say the words like overanalyze, overthink, worry, anxiety. I'm like, okay, this is all lingo that people use when they're in the valley, when they feel like they're in a lull and the glass is half empty. And no matter what advice you give to this person, it's just like, yeah, well, that won't work because, and yeah, I tried that and it wasn't what I thought. And there's always an excuse. It, you're just the natural pessimist. You're seeing things just as worst case scenario. You're not able to be like, you're right. Maybe things will change. It's like, hey, well, things haven't been changing. So they're probably not going to change now. Like you just are this natural pessimist. And that's how he was. And I told him, I'm like, listen, you can't make any decisions right now because of where your mindset is. And your mindset is in this Eeyore mindset of like, oh, well, it's not going to work for me. Like, you know, this just like down like person. And I'm like, you have to get out of this mindset before things can change. And I was able to teach him what I have learned in having this mindset and overcoming it. And I said, you know, this is not who God called you to be. This is not what God says. The scripture says, and I started quoting all these scriptures to him about worry and anxiety and fear and, you know, following God and trusting in him. And I was talking to him and my prayer for my husband has always been for God to soften his heart, remove the scales off his eyes, and to draw him closer to Jesus. Like that is all I want for the people in my family. But God, call them, pull them to you, help them to rely on you, help them to experience you, to see you, to see people through your eyes. And this is my prayer all the time. And I realized in this moment, as I was giving my husband advice on what to do and we prayed, I said, let's, let's pray right now over your business together. And we were praying and we we're going through this. And we ended up talking for like two hours the other night, just sitting in bed, the two of us just talking about business and work and God and prayer. And it was an amazing conversation. And I woke up the next morning and I was so grateful that God put us through that adversity so that we could have that conversation. And I realized all of my husband's struggles are because I've been praying for him. And so I told him, I was like, listen, I have to confess to something. And he's like, oh gosh, what are you about to say? I'm like, okay, the reason why you've been having such a hard time at work is because I've been praying for that. He's like, what do you mean you've been praying for that? I'm like, well, I've been praying 
that God makes you rely on him more. And I've been praying that you experience God. And I've been praying that you get closer to God, but you can't grow and you can't experience unless you're forced to rely on God more. And so as the pressure gets more and more and more, as the heat rises and you realize there's nothing that you can do in your own strength, you have to turn to God. And unfortunately, as humans, we wait until this, until everything falls or we wait until we've tried every single option, we've exhausted every single plan, and now we are desperate for help. That's why a lot of people turn to God in crisis, and it takes like a sick child or losing a spouse or a diagnosis in yourself to fall on your knees and say, okay, God, I will trust you because there's nothing else that you can do besides worry and stress and just freak out and lose your mind. And so he's like, oh, well, thanks. You know, I'm like, okay, well, this is actually good because in episode 72, I talk about tension over time equals growth. That is the formula for growth. Growing is not some weird mythical thing that just all of a sudden happens in a weird way. It's very formulated. You apply tension over time and you will grow. And we see this from being children. So if you're in a really hard time right now where you're facing tons of tension and you need a little encouragement, I want you to listen to episode 72 later because that will talk a lot more about this tension over time. And it's a very encouraging message to get you to keep moving forward. Trust God's time because he knows what he's doing. And he's constantly working everything out for our own good, even if it doesn't feel good. But there are a lot of things that we do in our life from babies that are tension over time that we really don't realize. And I wanted to share some of those things so we can see, but my niece right now, she just turned one in September and she just learned to walk and she's finally walking, but she falls down all the time and she could almost walk for about four months, but every time she would take one or two steps, she would fall. And, you know, she had to apply tension, which is falling and hurting herself over time to learn how to walk. We all have had to overcome that. If you are walking today, you went through this as a child. Also right now I'm teaching my children how to pray and they're not very good. Okay. Like my four-year-old daughter, her prayers are very entertaining and very funny. And the things she prays for and the things she says, and we're just like, good prayers, guy, good job. Like she's, she's learning how to pray. And then my daughter, who's eight, who's been learning to pray for a few years, she's a little better at praying. And now she's, she's probably like the best one in our house who prays because she prays the most. And so she's learned how to pray. And the only way to learn how to do it is by saying dumb things and feeling silly and not having the words and praying for certain things. And same with reading. We're learning how to read right now. And my daughter is got, she's gotten so good at reading. She had to just fumble through a bunch of words years ago when she was learning, it was so frustrating to her. And I had to keep telling her, it's okay. If you get the words wrong, just keep reading. And I promise you it will get easier. It will get better. And it did, it worked for her. And now she is a way better reader than she used to be I'm teaching my kids how to do chores in my home. <laughs> okay. So we, we taught them how to do laundry. And every time my one son, Dominic, did the laundry, we could tell that it was him doing the laundry because the clothes that you would get on your bed were all inside out and 
were like the worst folding job you've ever seen. It like literally just like ball it up and just stack it in a pile. And we had to teach him, Dominic, okay, this is how you fold laundry. Let me show you. And that's really what it is as you're raising kids or as you were being raised, you had someone teach you how to do all of these little things like tie your shoes, zip up your jacket, open a juice box, like all these little things that you had to learn as a child, you were so resilient and you just did it as a child. But now when you're older, you feel like all of a sudden tension shouldn't apply to you, but you feel, you just feel stressed out and you're like, I'm so stressed. And that's all you can think of is I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. But it's actually the regular way to grow. And it's what we did. Uh, like cooking. I was never taught how to cook when I was younger. And the first few years of being married and having a family, I was a terrible cook. But after just cooking over and over and burning everything and things were gross and we've thrown away a lot of dinners and went and just got Subway or pizza or something else because it was so awful. Now I would consider myself to be a pretty good cook. And sports and hobbies, when you start something, my son has been in soccer for since he was four years old. He was awful when he was four. Now he's 13 and he's pretty good. He wants to play in high school and he wants to play pros one day. It's also the same when you have to learn how to be in a respectful relationship. Let's say that you've never been in a respectful relationship before with a spouse, a boyfriend, someone. You are not used to that. And people that are in those situations tend to push people away like that because they don't feel worthy. They don't feel like they're good enough to have someone love them and respect them. So they give them a reason to make them leave. You have to learn how to be in this relationship, how to receive love. You need to learn how to show respect to your partner. And that takes a lot of time. I was very disrespectful when I got together with my husband and I was very self-righteous and I was very impatient and just thought that I was better than everyone including him. I would talk down to him and, and I had to learn over time. Thankfully he gave me time because a lot of people don't give you the time it takes to grow. But over time I learned how to do that. And it's the same with learning how to be a gentle person or parent. I, I hear a lot that people are like, I'm just, I'm always in a bad mood. I'm always irritable. I'm constantly just yelling at everyone in my house. I'm yelling at my husband. I'm yelling at my kids. I'm just always yelling. The only way to learn how to be under control of your emotions is to have to be under control of your emotions. And the only way to stop yelling and be a gentle parent is to learn how to stop yelling and be a gentle parent instead. So it was the same for me when I was started speaking live and speaking on stages and speaking on social media. I was awful when I started and I had to just suck and go through it and get better. Same with posting on social media. In the beginning, when I decided I'm going to build a following on social media, I'm going to post, I'm going to try to grow this influence. I had a couple followers. I had a couple of likes and then things grew. Same as my first podcast episode to this 89th episode, things have grown, things have changed and it's tension over time. All these things that I just mentioned were really hard. It was 
very hard to unlearn and relearn the way that I do things. The goal here is to become more like Jesus. That is the underlying goal. We follow Christ because we want to be more like him. That's all this is. Scripture is trying to teach you how to be more like Jesus. And that's it. There's all of this stuff that you learn about all of it. It's just trust in what he says, be more like him, live the way he says to live because not because he's just, you know, a bunch of rules and things to say yes and no, and just be obedient because I said so. He wants you to be obedient and follow what he says and to become more like Jesus because you'll have a way more fruitful life. You will feel fulfilled. You will feel like your soul is on fire for a purpose and a passion. You will wake up in the morning excited to be alive, excited to hear your alarm clock. You will be grateful and thankful for everything. You won't be stressed. You won't be worried. You won't feel overwhelmed and you won't overthink and overanalyze and you won't be depressed and deal with mental illness and you won't be binge eating and addicted and all of these things that we experience in our life because we're trying to fill that void. We want to feel better. Something is off in us and it's, it's probably because of something that happened when you were younger, a way you learned to cope, a way you learned to protect yourself that's causing this pain. He doesn't say be like me because I'm the boss and submit and be like me. It's not like that. It's he wants what's best for us. He loves us. So you may think, think of your spouse. If you have a spouse right now, I want you to think of them. Or you can think of a child if you want to think of a child instead. But think about things that you want them to change. Like think of your spouse right now and what you want him to change. I really want my husband to change the way he eats. Like I really do. He has a terrible diet. Okay, like terrible. And I know that a terrible diet will lead to terrible health, which leads to shortened life. And I don't want that. I want him to change. I've been asking him to change. I've been trying to help him to change. I've been nagging him to change the way he eats. None of it has worked. I'm applying tension on him and I want something for him. He just thinks I'm being annoying. Like get away from, let me just be myself. I'm an adult. Let me do what I want to do. I want what's best for him. It doesn't feel like that to him. It feels like I'm just trying to control him. I want what's best. I want a longer life. Maybe you want your husband to change his financial health. And you're like, I really want you to just stop blowing money. I want you to stop being irresponsible when it comes to this. I want you to start and all of these things that you want for him or for your children. It's not controlling. And because you have authority and you're trying to take control of them and use your authority to do that, it's because you love them. You want to see them have the best life possible. That is what God has done to us. He wants us to have the best life. He doesn't want us addicted. He doesn't want us coping. He doesn't want us self-protecting. He doesn't want us to have trust issues. He doesn't want us to be closed off to others and isolated and depressed and anxious and worried and stressed out and not sleeping and not taking care of ourselves and overwhelmed and burnt out 
and barely hanging on. That's not his life that he wants for us. Do you want your children or your husband to live that life of like barely surviving and just getting through and then he dies when he's 80? That's not living. That's not a life. And so many people just become content with that. Like, this is the life I have. This is who I am. I guess I just have to struggle with this addiction forever because what am I supposed to do? And when everyone around you is doing something as well, it really is hard for you to break out of that mindset and to see it. And 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. 1 John 2.6 says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He's referring to Jesus. We're supposed to view things the way Jesus views them. See people the way Jesus sees people. Respond to things the way that he would respond. And the only way to become like someone is to spend time with them. That's why a lot of times when you grow up with someone like a mom or a dad or an aunt or someone that you're, you're raised by, you grow up and you kind of act like them. Like when people see me and my mom together, we were at an event at our church, a marriage event on Saturday. And this guy came up and I was talking to my mom and he's like, I just need to stand here and listen to you guys talk for a second. Cause I've never in my life met two people that are more the same. You have the same inflictions on words and you have the same, like every single thing, the same laugh, the same hand gestures. You guys are so similar. And my mom said, yeah, it's probably because we spend so much time together. We did growing up and then I'm still very close with my mom. So we're very much alike. So if you want to become more like someone, you need to start spending more time with them. You're never going to become more like Jesus if you're spending more time with the world ever. Bottom line, the goal is to be more like Jesus. So you have a better life. So you need to spend more time with Jesus so that you have a better life. And I'm telling you, this isn't a theory that I have. This is proven. This will work for you. This will help you. It's God's promises. And that's what I love is that it's so concrete, solid. It's not gray. It doesn't change based on emotion, based on who says it, based on who prays it. It is the same. And it's promised that God will deliver us, that he will answer our prayers. He will show up. He will help us. I promise you, if you decide that 2023 is your year to spend the most time with Jesus than any other thing that you spend time with, I promise by the end of the year, you will have so many blessings and fulfillments and changes in your life that it will be the best year you have ever had hands down. And I'm not saying you won't face trials. I'm not saying bad things won't happen to you because you're not against that. You're not, you know, above that because you follow Jesus. Even his followers and his disciples were killed for his cause. So I'm not saying that you're going to live forever, but you, it's a feeling, it's the experience, it's the comfort, and you'll feel a lot better. So I was started thinking of the things that Jesus says versus our world, because the more I learn about this world and the more time passes on, the more I realize that people are becoming less like Jesus and more like the world, and things are so normal, and almost all of these things that I'm going to give you examples of are things that you actually and I actually 
act more like the world than act like Jesus. And it's kind of crazy when you look and see like, this is the norm and that's not the right way to do it, but this is normal. Like if somebody punches you, the norm is to punch them back. Like if somebody hits you, that is the normal thing to do is to react and punch them back. Jesus says, turn your face so that they can hit the other cheek. I mean, that's hard to do. Like someone insults you and you don't insult them back. You're not triggered by it. You just let it go. Jesus says to forgive. The world says, get revenge. Take what's yours. You're going to just let them treat you like that. You're going to let them do that to you. Get revenge, get even. The world talks vulgar and nasty. Jesus says to only have wholesome language come out of your mouths. The world hates. Jesus says to love. The world says focus on yourself and be selfish and what do I want and what do I want to do and what can I have. Jesus says to make the main focus on other people. That's a hard one. The world says to be impatient. Jesus says to be patient. The world says to be harsh. Jesus says to be gentle. The world is filled with pride. Jesus says to be humble. The world says to lie. Jesus says, tell the truth. The world says, just do what feels good. And Jesus says, do what feels, do what is right. Not based on feelings. The world is constantly tearing people down. Jesus says to build each other up. The world is at war. Jesus is peace, death, and life. And then other things like the world says to get drunk. It's Halloween. You're at a party. Have some drinks. It's Sunday. You earned it. It's Tuesday night. Your Monday and Tuesday at work were stressful. Have a glass of wine. Smoke a joint. Take some pills. That's just so common to the world. Even Christians are drinking. Even Christians are getting drunk because it's just so normal. It, I mean, it's just so normal. Go on the boat. Everyone's drinking. Have some drinks. Jesus says to be sober-minded, but because it's so normal, it doesn't really feel that bad. And you don't feel that convicted when you do drink and get drunk. You're just having fun. The world says to focus on stuff and things of this world, like all the stuff that you need to collect. You need to work. You need to hustle. You need more things. You need more money. You need trips. You need this purse. You need a car. You need a house. You need clothes. You need more. You need more. You need more. Jesus says to focus on things above. The world says abortions are fine. Jesus says to give life. All life was designed by him. He knit you together in your mother's womb. But because of sin, these things take place. And over time, the world is turning more into the devil's world and less like Jesus. And so if you want to become more like Jesus, then you need to start spending time with him because the devil has tricked so many of us to not spend time with him and to act less like him. I mean, really, we don't even know him, I guess is really the problem. And it's not because you're choosing to not know him. You're not saying like, I, I don't care to know Jesus. I'm, you're not, it's not a conscious decision. You're just too busy. 
Like, I just, I'm just too busy. You have all the intentions where you're like, I am, I am going to start reading my Bible. I am going to find a church. I am going to plug into a Bible study. I'm going to serve on a ministry. I am going to, you know what, starting today, I am making changes in my life. I am no longer doing those things. I am doing this. It's not because you don't know the right and wrong things to do. And, and about the Bible, yeah, there's a lot that you don't know if you don't read it. But the feeling, like, let's just go on feelings here. As someone who's never read the Bible ever, you know the things that you probably should change in your life to start having a better life. Like, if you're an alcoholic, you don't have to be a Christian or in the word to know that your drinking is ruining your life, that your spending is ruining your life. That whatever's happening, you know the changes to make. Like you could lose 10 pounds right now. You know how to lose the 10 pounds. It's not that you don't know how to do these things. It's that you can't do these things. You cannot do them in your own strength. You can't decide to start following Jesus and start doing the things his way. You can't be like, okay, so starting right now, I'm not going to have any pride. I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to try to take revenge. I'm not going to be nasty with my words or hate. I'm going to have the fruits of the spirit. I'm going to be, I'm going to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. You know, like you cannot, you can't, there's no way that you can change. You're like, okay, I know that drinking is bad. I have to stop drinking, but then you drink anyway. You know that lying is bad. You know that yelling at your kids and yelling at your husband and you're in a fit of rage and you're freaking out. You know, I shouldn't be doing this right now, but you can't help it. And so I have two long scriptures that I want to read to you. And I want you to maybe like close your eyes or if you're driving, obviously don't close your eyes. But if you can, and just kind of try to think of this as I'm saying it, because it's two passages in Romans. And I wanted you to have the entire chunk of the paragraph to understand what we're talking about here and not just take one scripture out of context. This is like the most encouraging thing ever because you realize that you don't have the strength to change in your own spirit. You cannot change in your own flesh. And it's great news if you have been beating yourself up. Like, why am I not changing? Why do I keep doing these things that I know I need to stop doing, but yet I just keep doing them and I'm here? Okay, one, before I read them, one, you have to learn what God says about issues and subjects and the way we think and the way we run our lives and the way we were raised. The Bible is covered with stories and ideas and direction and teachings around our life. It's the handbook to life. So the first thing that you need to do, you need to learn what God says. You need to learn what the Bible says. And in episode 40, I talk about time with God and it will teach you how to do this, how to learn what God says. Uh, I give you my favorite resources, my favorite books, studies, websites, the tricks and tips that I have, things that I do to make this work. 
So episode 40, if you have no idea how to spend time with God or how to even begin learning what God says, I tell you the version of the Bible that I recommend reading, um, all of it. I give the links and it's a great episode for those that have no idea where to start. But the first thing you need to do is you need to learn. And the second thing is you need to pray for those things. Because if you know the instruction, then you can pray. Like the instruction is do not worry about tomorrow for today has enough worry of its own. So then you can turn that into a prayer and say, God, help me to not worry today. Remove the worry from my heart. Remove it from my head. I don't want to worry. I'm giving you my stress. I'm giving you my worry. Take it away from me because you can't do it in your own strength. It's not enough to learn it and say, okay, okay, don't worry about today, tomorrow. Okay, easy. I'm not going to worry about today. Because when I told my husband that, he's like, how do you just stop worrying? Like, I can't just stop worrying. I have to, I worry about these things. Like, I need this loan to come through. I need this truck to stop breaking down. Like, I am worried. And so you can't just say, okay, I'll know it and then I'll do it. No, because you probably know, love your neighbor, but yet you still hate people. Or you know that Jesus says to forgive, but yet you still don't, you have people right now that you haven't forgiven because they've wronged you, because they've abandoned you, because they abused you. You can't forgive them. Jesus says to forgive them though, but you can't do it. So um, Paul writes in Romans, so we're going to, it's chapter seven, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 25. And it's titled Struggling with Sin. So this is the Apostle Paul writing this down. This is, these are his thoughts and something he was struggling with. Okay. So all those years ago, this person was struggling with this. And tell me that this doesn't sound like an excerpt out of your own journal. Okay. <laughs> like if you journaled or maybe you don't journal and this is in your head. So this is what he says. He says, so the trouble is not with the rules for the rules are spiritual and good. The trouble is with me for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the rules and that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives within me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Okay. So think about that with your sin or with your worry or with your stress or whatever you're trying to overcome. Think of that about drinking. 
like, I know I need to quit drinking. I know it's ruining my life. I know all the, all of the effects of it. I know how much money I'm spending. I know how it's ruining my marriage. I know, but yeah, here I am. I'm just still drinking, making excuses. So you're still struggling with that. So the very next chapter, chapter eight talks, it's called um, life in the spirit. So it's eight verses one through 17. And so Paul immediately after he's done writing about being a slave to sin and struggling with sin, he gives you hope and he teaches you what to do. So he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. So he's talking about, so when Moses got the 10 commandments, like don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't commit murder, all of these things. Okay. So he's saying that the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We knew what the law said. Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, love your brother, love your neighbor, all these things. But we couldn't because of our nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice of our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us with no longer... Uh, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God it never did obey God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit you have, the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of the sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I mean, that's like mind blowing. Think of that. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead also lives in you. The same spirit. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. 
Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So you have this spirit of sin and fear and, and death and condemnation, and you have you are born with all of these things. You are born into generational sin, born into generational curses. You know, your mom was an alcoholic. Your dad was an alcoholic. He abused your mom. You watched that abuse. Chances are you're going to grow up. You're probably going to struggle with addiction. You're probably not going to make the best choice of a spouse. You're going to end up being there because it's what you saw. Your mom was an angry mom. She was yelling and screaming at you all the time. You hated it, but yet you have children and you find yourself yelling and screaming all the time too. You, you are, and we're going to talk soon about all of the things that you have been given by your ancestors and because you have been given a lot of good and bad. And so you were given this spirit at birth of just terrible, but God, because of Jesus has renewed you. So you have what I tell my kids is you have a superpower that's living inside of you. That if you learn about it, you know, let's say that you had the superpower to teleport, but nobody ever told you this and you never teleported. Okay. And then you learned how to do it. And then all of a sudden we just went and saw um, super pets at the movies, my daughter and I, and it's kind of the same thing. You know, like you didn't know you had this superpower because you've never learned about it, but because you learned about it, now you can access it. It's the same thing. So you learn about the power of the spirit. Like, okay, I am weak in my flesh. Like as Paul says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Like, you know what is good. And then you learn in the scripture about the things that you should be doing and the things that you should be because you have the spirit of you, the spirit of God living in you. And now you pray for those things to be activated. Like, I loved the reels that went around that was like, Holy Spirit, activate, Holy Spirit, activate like those. And I literally walk around my house thinking that sometimes like, Holy Spirit, activate. Like, I don't want to scream at my kids, Holy Spirit, activate, take away my fleshly desire to like freak out and just be a Hulk mom right now and just start like throwing things and ripping things. Like I could just go nuts because that's what my flesh wants to do. My flesh wants to literally like push people. Like I get so mad and heated. I just want to like shove you out of my space. Like I'm just being honest. Like it is like a natural thing. Like get out of my face, get out of here. That's not what I should do. So I learned what I should do. I pray for the Holy spirit to guide me and help me. And then it changes. And so I love the very end of this, that it says, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Jesus suffered we are going to suffer too. In order to be more like Jesus, you have to go through a refining process. You have to have pressure applied to you. In order to learn how to be patient with your kids, you have to be placed in situations where you have your patience tried. You know, if you want to overcome your overspending problems, like your spending is ruining your life, 
You want to stop buying things on Amazon. You want to stop going to Target. You want to stop going out to eat and spending money on food. You're going to have to learn how to stop doing that. And the only way to learn how to stop doing that is to stop doing it. You know, and it's hard. You don't want to stop buying stuff on Amazon. You don't want to eat at home. You don't want to make these choices, but you have to. So you learn about them. You spend time with God. You learn what you should do. And then the prayer is what activates this. And this is how you are able to make changes in your life. It's not about just learning. That's the person, that's the Pharisee, the people of the law. If you're a Pharisee today and all you do is like learn, 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 you're like, I need to learn all this information. I need all this information, but you're not applying any of it. It, it does you no good. Like good for you. That's all your pride. All you want to say is I know everything in the Bible. I know all the stories. I know all the stuff. And I've met people like that. And they were at the same time acting like this. They were addicted to pornography. They were cheating on their wife. They were being extremely unloving, abusing their wife and not acting like Jesus at all. But he knew every scripture. He knew every story. He went to church every Sunday. He went to all the Bible studies. It doesn't do you any good. It's better for someone to know a little bit and apply it than to know everything and not apply anything. So yeah, the Bible is huge. It's so heavy. It's so big. It's so overwhelming. You don't need to learn every single thing that's in there. You need to take one little scripture and apply it and learn how to apply that to your life. So I'm going to tell you about the application here because the whole reason why I'm doing this podcast episode is because I want you to learn how to do this. I want you to feel encouraged to know you can't change on your own, no matter how bad you want to change. You want to quit drinking. You want to quit yelling. You want to quit being lazy. You want to quit talking nasty. You want to stop tearing people down and having unforgiveness in your heart. You want to change and be more like Jesus. Here's how you do it. Okay. I want you to feel encouraged to know that you're not weak and you're not dumb and you're not worthless because you can't change in your own strength. You're actually just like the Apostle Paul. You're actually just like every single person who has been born ever to this day. You're just like all of them. So you're not weird. You're not crazy. You're not different. You, you are who God says you are. He says that you cannot change in your own strength. So you're not weak. It's okay. I'm going to teach you how to train, how to change now in the spirit strength. So number one, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. And that just means you have a conversation with God and you just say, uh, God, I can't do this on my own. You're right. I admit I suck at this life. I don't know how to do it. My way is not the best way. I need you to guide me and direct me. I believe that what the word says is true. I know that your son died for me. And I know that I can't do this on my own. I know that I have the opportunity to have your spirit. Holy Spirit, dwell within me. Come into my body and take over. I will trust you. I will lead you. I give you my life. I am under your control now. I am not under the control of myself. You're literally just like giving him the reins. You're, get, you're like, okay, white flag. I surrender. I can't do this. This is hard. I'm, I've proven over 46 years, 55 years, 32 years, 25 years. I've proven that I clearly can't do this the right way. <laughs> like I'm drowning. I'm stressed out. I'm worried. I don't know what to do. Here you go. The script is yours. Do with me as what you will. 
That's what you first need to say. Because when you say the sinner's prayer like that, it's when the Holy Spirit is activated inside of you. God's like, okay, I've been waiting for this. This is literally all you need to do. That's it. This is all you need to do. So how to apply it is once you have the Holy Spirit in you, this is how you apply it. And this is what I taught my husband to do. And my daughter, I taught her how to do this over the weekend. So one of my daughters is very type A, very responsible. She's a rule follower. Like that's who she is. And it's nothing that I did. It's just who she is. That's who God created her to be. And she has a really hard time. And I guess I would say it's anxiety, but I don't want to label her and say she has anxiety. She just gets anxious and worried and overthinks things when she's not in the comfort of me. Okay. Like social anxiety, or she has like separation anxiety. If my husband or myself are with her, great. No problems at all. She's a wonderful, great girl. If we're not with her, she just can't handle that. She hates when she has to do things that are outside of her comfort zone. And on Saturday, we were hosting a marriage seminar at our church. And my daughter also had a soccer game. And because we were hosting the seminar, we could not take her to her soccer game. My parents were also going to be at the seminar with us. My husband's parents are in Florida on vacation. We didn't have any immediate family members that could take her to her game. She really needed to go to her game because she's missed the last few. So our nanny, who used to be our nanny, she isn't really nanny for us anymore since I don't work like I used to, but she literally like grew up with this woman and she was taking her to soccer and my daughter just would not have it. And when we were eating dinner on Friday night, she remembered that we were going to be gone the next day and that she was having Kayla take her to soccer. And she started over like working herself up. She started crying at the table. My husband's like, honey, like we're not talking about this right now. Let's just have dinner. We'll talk about it later. So we finished dinner and my daughter is like, mom, can I talk to you in, in the other room? So I take her in my room. We sit on my bed. And she just starts bawling. And she's like, I don't want to go. I'm so uncomfortable. I don't want to go. I just, that's all she just kept saying is, I don't want to do it. I feel uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. I feel uncomfortable. So I kept asking her questions. I learned a lot about listening to people through therapy myself. Like the questions my therapist would ask me, the way she would just like, let me get it all out. So I learned a ton because if you focus on yourself first, then the teaching is actually a lot easier. You know, if you stop drinking yourself, it's going to be a lot easier for you to teach someone else to stop drinking, you know, because you've been through it. If you've lost a hundred pounds, it's pretty easy to talk to someone else about losing a hundred pounds because you already did it. So the first thing, you know, you have to learn to change yourself and, or to make the changes in yourself through God so that you can help other people. So I'm listening to her and I'm, I keep asking her, I'm like, explain yourself, you know, talk a little more. You can't just say, you don't know, you do know, put it into words. Why are you uncomfortable? Okay. What could we do to make you comfortable? I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, yes, you do. Like, let's be problem solvers here. What are things we could do? You could either not go to soccer. Um, you could just, just go and get over it. 
Like, what is it that you want to do? And she didn't want to miss her game. So she was really at, she was like teetering back and forth. Like, I don't want to miss my game and let my team down, but I really don't want to go with Kayla because it makes me uncomfortable. And of course I asked her all the questions, like, is it just her that makes you uncomfortable? Did something happen? Is there anyone with her? Like, you know, and she's like, no, 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 no. So I wanted to, you know, make sure that I heard her out and made sure everything was fine. But I told her, I said, as you grow up, there are going to be a lot of things in your life that make you uncomfortable that you don't want to do. For instance, speaking on stage at my mom's group two weeks ago, I was nervous. I didn't want to do it. I was worried. I was, and here I am trying to do God's work and I'm still worried. I have anxiety about it. I'm nervous about it. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to cancel. I don't want to do it. And so I give her this example. And I said, this is a perfect opportunity to learn how to listen to scripture to make us feel better. And this is what I want. I taught her how to do this. I taught my husband how to do this because I have already learned myself how to do this. Now I'm teaching you guys how to do this in hopes that you will grasp this and do this and then go teach someone else this who needs to learn. So when you're experiencing this feeling of I'm uncomfortable, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm fearful, I don't want to do it. I'm stressed out. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. You have a decision to make. You're facing adversity. Whatever this feeling is, here's what you do. Here's how you apply it. You search for scriptures about that thing. So how I do that is I go on Google and I type in what are scriptures on fear, which is, which is what I searched for my daughter. What are scriptures on fear? Or what are scriptures on worry? What are scriptures on alcohol? What are scriptures on anger? What are scriptures on patience? What are scriptures on addiction? Wh whatever you're dealing with, plug it into this Google search. What are the scriptures on being burnt out? What are the scriptures on whatever? Okay, this is what you're going to search for. And then you're going to click on the link that is of openbible.info. So it'll come up in the probably one of the first three things that's listed. And the reason why I like this website for information is because it shows the scriptures so simply, so easily. There's no ads. It's just typed out one after another, really good spacing. I just love, it's like so simple and I love it. And the version that automatically comes up is really easy to understand too. It's not like a King James version or something where you're like, what is this even saying? So I brought my daughter in here. I turned on Christian music quietly. Um, I just go on iTunes and I type in Christian chill. I play it quietly. I turned on my lamp in my office to kind of set the mood and the tone. I sat her down at my desk. I gave her note cards. I gave her different pens, different colors, different highlighters and markers. And I pulled up the site on there. She scrolled through and I said, read these scriptures and anyone that really connects with you, that you feel like, yes, 
This is so good. I want you to write it on the note card, just word for word, put it down on the note card. So a couple of them that we had, cause uh, she wrote some, and then I was reading them with her and I was like, Ooh, that one's good. I want to put that on there too. So like, for instance, this is one we wrote from Matthew 625 that says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And I'm like, that's so good. Right. Like, are like, you think you're doing good for worrying? Is that adding hours to your life? Because it's actually not, there's no amount of worry that can extend your life. And so I'm like, this is what I need to remember when I'm feeling worried. Like, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No, I can't. Repeating this to yourself really helps you. So you get all these scriptures, put them on note cards, or if you want to type them out or put them in Canva or how, whatever is going to work for your brain to write these out so that you have them, but they need to be like printed out so that you have them on paper. Don't just put them in your phone or, you know, design something and keep them on word. Make sure they're printed out. They're written out something so you can see them and have them in your hand. So what you're going to do after you have these, you need to have about, I would say 10 minimum, 15 to 20 is like the sweet spot. Okay. So you're going to say these out loud. And even if it's in a whisper, that's okay. But you have to say them out loud because studies show that if you just write something down and you are just reading it in your mind versus reading it out loud, it's totally different how you memorize it and how it affects your brain. So when you say it out loud, you are writing it down. So you're like reading it as you're writing it down. And then you're saying it out loud as you're reading it, which means that you're also hearing it. And it's sinking into your brain even more because now you're reading it, saying it and hearing it. So it's affecting you three times more than if you just did it in your head. So even if you're whispering them, it's okay, but you need to be saying these out loud and you need to be saying these out loud as often as you can. So if you're in a period where like my daughter was so stressed out, like literally crying, was hyperventilating at one point, like totally like freaking out. I told her, I said, you need to, you need to keep reading these until you get so tired that you're ready to go to bed. You need to just keep reading these over and over and over. And so she did. She sat in here. She wrote them down while she listened to her music. She recited them to me. She kept reciting them to herself. And she was finally so tired. She was like, mom, I just want to go to bed. And I said, okay, when you wake, I said, I'm going to pray for you before you go to bed. We're going to pray about this. But also when you wake up in the morning, I want you to grab your cards and I want you to read them before you even get out of bed and go to the bathroom. Take them and start reading them to instantly put your mind on what it's supposed to. Don't think of the things that you don't want to do. You need to be thinking about this, thinking about God's word. So the last thing that you needed is so you need to search for the scriptures, write them down, say them out loud. I, I like to turn them into prayers. So like this one here says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So I turn that into a prayer. You can write them down if you want to write down the prayers, if it helps you, or you can just say it in your head if that's the type of person you are. 
But my turning this into a prayer would look like, Lord, help me to stop worrying. I know that it's not going to add any time to my life. I know it's not going to do any good for me. Help me to stop worrying. Take the worry out of my heart. That's turning it into a prayer. Okay, this other scripture that I wrote down says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So turning that into a prayer is, God, I know that you say that you leave me your peace. Help me to feel it. Flood me with peace so that I have no ill feelings inside, except I am covered with your peace. Help my heart to not be troubled and let me let go of all fear. I've, and then this is the last part. The last part is believing because Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, you must believe that you have received it and it will be yours. If you don't believe that God is going to wash over your soul with peace because he says so, it will not happen. And that's a hard thing is if you don't have the belief, it's not going to work. If you're doing this and you're like, okay, this isn't going to work. If my daughter kept thinking like, I'm still going to be worried tomorrow. I'm going to wake up and I'm still going to be anxious. I'm still going to be afraid to go. I still don't want to do it. If she's never going to be able to take a hold of her mind and let go of that. So you have to believe it. Do you believe what God says or not? It's as simple as that. Do you believe his word or don't you believe his word? And if you don't believe his word and you're like, Taryn, I'm still trying to like build that trust. The more you spend time with him, which episode 40 talks about, the more you're going to start trusting him because you're going to start applying what he says to your life. And it's going to start working. Like you will see, wow, my life is completely different ever since I started spending more time with God and Jesus and their words. Now I'm acting more like them and I'm feeling a lot better through this process. You start by teaching yourself, like it's very overwhelming, especially if you are a person who wants to help the world. That's always been me. I want to change the world. I, I never knew what that meant, but I just, I always wanted to change the world. I want to help other people. And how you do that is you first start with yourself, learning yourself, teaching yourself. So if you have a family and you're like, dang, I wish I could teach my daughter how to do this. I wish I could teach my husband how to do this. It starts with teaching yourself how to do this. And then you're going to move from closest to furthest away. So the, the thing that's closest to you is everyone who lives in your household. So teaching them how to do it after you've learned and then teaching your friends and your extended family and your community and the world of Instagram and the world of TikTok and then move yourself out. And pray that the Holy Spirit guides you and helps you to do this. Like saying, and this has been a prayer of mine, God, this is a huge responsibility. I'm not only trying to grow my own faith and my own self, but now I have to do it with all these kids. I have four kids and a husband. It's is overwhelming. So it's not in my own strength. So Holy Spirit, guide me, help me to do this, make a way. And then just let go of the worry and do it. So this is a homework assignment for you. If you're someone who's in a dark place or you're in this fear, worry, burnt out, overwhelmed, whatever it is, I want you to begin by applying this to you sometime today or sometime tomorrow. 
and to go through and search for the scriptures online, write them down, put them up, put them on your bathroom mirror, in your car, put the flashcards in your bathroom. So when you're in the bathroom, you can read them, put them wherever you're going to read them the most, continue to read them and saying them out loud, write them into prayers, pray and believe that this is going to change. After you've done this for about two weeks, if you want to talk to me and you want to just kind of get my advice or my encouragement and to help you get better in this area, you can click the link in my bio on Instagram, which is at Taryn Sarconi, and click the link in my bio and scroll down and book a clarity call with me. It's a free 30-minute clarity call, but I want you to do this first because this is my advice that I would give you if we talked right now. You need to start doing, so if your marriage is failing, you need to search for scriptures on marriage, write them down, say them out loud, write them into prayers, do it for two weeks while you believe, and then book on my calendar because I want to talk to you after you've already experienced this, after you've already seen some changes. And it's even better and bonus if you write down the changes you're seeing and you're writing down what you're doing so you can look back in two weeks and you can see how God has changed you. You can see the things you were struggling about and worrying about now. And then in two weeks, you can look and think like, oh, wow, I forgot I was even worried about that because I'm not anymore. So this is how you apply this to your life. And don't be afraid of the pressure. Don't be afraid of the tension. Remember, count it all joy when you experience troubles of any kind. That's what the scripture says. Count it all joy when you experience troubles of any kind, because the troubles are refining you. The troubles are growing you. And that's what you want. You want the growth. You're never going to change unless you grow. So count it all joy. Everything you're going through is actually for the good, even though it doesn't feel like that sometimes. So don't be discouraged. God is with you everywhere you go. He has called you. You are chosen. He keeps his promises. You can believe what he says. You can trust in him because he says so. So don't get caught up in the world. Spend more time with Jesus so that you become more like him. And he's the one that influences you because that's really what's going to change everything for you. That's how you're going to feel the absolute best. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being live and for listening. And if you do this, please book on my calendar because I really want to talk to you and see how things have been going from the beginning to after two weeks of doing this. And I hope you have a blessed day and you spend lots of time with God this week. Okay, I'll see you back here on Wednesday. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley, and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.